You are listening to MCC Votes and Seats, the podcast series of the Center for Political Science of Matthias Corvinus Collegium. We provide election insights with experts and politicians. Welcome everyone to the fourth edition of the Votes and Seeds Bulgaria podcast series. This time we have on board Ms. Nelly Kirilova, a research fellow at the European Security and Defense College and the Corvinus University of Budapest, and Dr. Piotr Pietrak, editor-in-chief of Instatuna Sendi Journal of Political Philosophy and International Relations. Ms. Kirilova is a Bulgarian researcher specializing in international relations and security policies, while Mr. Pietrak is a Polish national residing in Sofia who specializes in in geopolitics, conflict resolution strategies, and international law. Nelly, Piotr, thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation, Bolent. It would be a pleasure to share my observation of the last elections. Dear listeners, let me kindly remind you that we started analyzing Bulgarian politics in April 2021 with Piotr when the original parliamentary ballot took place. Then we made our next podcast assessment in June, as no party or coalition was able to form a government that time. Then after the June snap election, there was another round of early legislative ballot together with the ordinary presidential election, about which we had the privilege to talk with Ms. Kirilova in November last year. And now... Once again, Bulgarian citizens were invited to vote at the third round of early parliamentary elections that was held on the 2nd of October 2022 to elect the members of the 48th National Assembly of the country. The snap ballot was organized due to the June 2022 fall of the Petkov government, formed by a four-party coalition. All this political and governmental crisis is an unprecedented situation in the history of the Republic of Bulgaria. Let me very briefly summarize the background of the October 2022 voting. Last November, the party named We Continue the Change, PP, achieved a surprise victory and received 25% of the vote. Under Mr. Kirill Petkov's leadership, PP formed a coalition government with the left-wing Bulgarian Socialist Party, presided by former Deputy Prime Minister Ms. Cornelia Ninova. And then with the anti-establishment and anti-corrupt, there is such a people party of singer and TV host Slavi Trifono and the liberal conservative center-right Democratic Bulgaria led by Christo Ivano, former Minister of Justice of the second Borisov cabinet. There is such a people left the government in June 2022, citing concerns with the state budget, fiscal policies and the removal of uh, Bulgaria's veto over the start of uh, EU accession negotiations with North Macedonia. The government was subsequently overthrown in a vote of no confidence proposed by the right-wing major opposition party of former Prime Minister Boyko Borisov called GERB, whose action was backed by the Turkish minority party called Movement for Rights and Freedoms, DPS, the aforementioned Very um, Such a People, and the radical far-right revival party. So, Nelly, would you tell us, in your view, what led to the fall of the Petkov cabinet and why the new PP party could not keep its allies? There are several reasons for this. Number one lack of experts. And this is not only a problem of uh, the Prodozhavme Promyanata party, but it is a problem of all the newly formed parties, because they normally have a cluster of experts on one topic. In the case of Prodozhavme Promyanata, this was finance, economy, investment and law. But at the same time, they had a lack of foreign relations experts and 
international relations experts, while um, in other parties this was not uh, the problem, but they had lack of other kind of experts. So this is a major uh, concern that all the newly formed parties should uh, cope with. The second problem due to which the government failed is because it had four parties which are completely different. And uh, actually they didn't have uh, a lot of common grounds between each other, the four parties. And the major problems due to which they couldn't agree, it was number one, Republic of North Macedonia. And number two, there was a problem of uh, Capitan Andrevo border, which Prodojome uh, Promianta blamed that there is such a people had uh, some incorrect behavior, while there is such a people blamed that Prodojome Promianta had the incorrect attitude towards the Republic of North Macedonia. And this blaming towards each other led to major disagreement between them. At the same time, there were major disagreements between the Socialist Party and the Prodojava Premianta and Democratic Bulgaria on the issue of uh, help for Ukraine. And uh, they couldn't agree on this as well. These are the internal party problems. If I may add, the political situation in Bulgaria is quite unstable. And that has to do with the Borisov way of changing the political system to his advantage. The political system is trying to recover after his time in the office. So uh, for the last two years, the country had four prime ministers, Boyko Borisov, Stefan Yanev, Kirill Petkov and uh, Golab Danev. Each of them represented different uh, style in leadership. Kirill Petkov is very much liked by the 20% of the Bulgarian public because he's very well educated. He's pro-Western and uh, he knows what he wants. He's very self-confident and uh, he doesn't hesitate to speak against what he doesn't like. But the Harvard Business School did not teach him political loyalty. He's a common denominator. He basically alienated at least three different political groups which comprised his coalition government. In the Balkans, macho politics are very much the only rule in the game. He tries to impose his political style on everyone. He's trying to force his political will on his opponents and proponents. You just very briefly addressed the Balkans. And so far, we were talking about uh, primarily the internal circumstances. But what about the foreign factors behind the constant political crisis in Bulgaria? So the country, as we know, is an important player in the Black Sea region. The war in Ukraine is a major factor, which is uh, destabilizing the whole situation. Kirill Petkov was very uh, good when it comes to securing alternative means of getting gas supplies to the country. Because before he took over the power, uh, the country was 90% dependent on Russian gas. Now it has changed because of the interconnector with Greece and with Azerbaijan. So uh, he has achieved something uh, of significance. However, when it comes to the hyperinflation, he didn't explain to the ordinary men and women of Bulgaria that the government, his government is looking after them. He cannot communicate the message or the good policy which he had to the ordinary people. And the ordinary people got uh, upset with him, especially considering that there is a populist tide which is against him. Boyko Borisov said that, oh, if you will elect me, I will make sure that the petrol and diesel will be for two leva. And now it's like 350. So Mr. Kostadin, Kostadinov from Revival, yeah, exactly. He gained so much support in the last election only because he uses populist politics. Kirill Petkov also uses a lot of populist uh, expressions. And maybe his problem would uh, 
have been very good if there was no war because it was more intended towards investment, increasing the salaries, increasing the retirement salary of people. But uh, in the case of a war, there were circumstances that his party couldn't uh, manage quite well and this affected the population. For example, this higher inflation was number one because of the internal attempts to make the salaries higher, and number two because of the external effect from the war. And then the Azeri gas, actually it started much before Kirill Petkov appeared on the political scene of Bulgaria. There was agreement between Bulgaria and Azerbaijan signed several years ago, and the alternative gas, which uh, he's the party provided from the United States of America, it was not really good option because first it is very far away, which would make the gas quite expensive. And second, it's not secured for how long and how much gas there will be, while Bulgaria has a very cold winter and it needs a lot of energy. At the same time, Bulgaria produced electricity in the past and it could produce its own electricity without exporting it. This would be a good alternative energy resource, but it didn't develop quite well so far. There were research about bacteria in the Black Sea, which bacteria could produce uh, biofuel and biogas. This, for example, could be researched, but they don't work on such topics. They just use populist, pro-Russian, anti-Russian, pro-American, anti-American. This is not enough to secure the energy supply of the country. Talking about the campaign communication and uh, getting to the point, let's take a look at the results of the October 2022 election. With 24.5% uh, of the vote, the right-wing alliance of GERB SDS won 67 parliamentary seats. That is eight mandates more compared to the previous legislation. We continue the change, lost 14 seats in the National Assembly, gaining 53, with its almost 20%. The ethnic Turkish party movement for rights and freedoms was supported by 13.3% of the electorate that gave the party 36 mandates in the parliament, so two more compared to the previous election. And we had the far-right revival party that registered a huge success with 27 seats in the Bulgarian legislative body with almost 10% of the vote, while BSP for Bulgaria had lost one seat and gained 25. On the other hand, Democratic Bulgaria gained four more with 7.2% uh, of the vote. Another party that managed to get in the Bulgarian National Assembly this time is the Bulgarian Rise, a right-wing formation that won 12 mandates. There is such a people did not make it to meet the parliamentary threshold this time. Nelly, could you please describe us what were the main messages and programs and slogans of the aforementioned parties running in the ballot? Before the elections, there was a lot of media manipulation and all the media were advertising sociological research, which was not really true. Well, there was sociological research, but they didn't mention all the factors that they measured and probably there was space for manipulating the results of these researches. And all of the data that was presented on the media was that GERP will be the winner and all the other parties will not be winners. Due to this factor, I believe, a lot of people did not go to the polls. So only 39% of the voters gave their opinion in the election day. I could not say that the results that we have now express the opinion of the population, but only of 30% of the population. 
There was also a personal scandal related to Kirill Petkov, and this was related to the family values in Bulgaria, and a lot of people probably have withdrawn due to this. GELP is quite a populist party, so it just uh, provides all the information that the population would like to hear. So we'll have higher uh, salaries, less prices, you'll be able to buy everything, there will be gas, uh, there will be no participation in the war, we're with the EU, so they were saying all this that people would like to hear. However, they don't explain how they are going to do it. And uh, of course, they base their campaign on uh, blaming uh, the previous leader. We continue the change. Then we move to Prodolzhavme Promyanata. Their campaign was uh, quite confident because they believed that they will succeed to win again. The DPST, the Turkish minority party, they have a constant electorate of the Turkish minority in Bulgaria, but also the Bulgarian minority in Turkey who are Turkish speakers and uh, the movement for rights and freedoms, which is the, this pro-Turkish party. They uh, very well succeed to organize their voters, sometimes in a correct way, sometimes not such a correct way, but still they bring a lot of voters to the polls. Then Vazrajdane or Revival, they have a very, very sharp campaign. They uh, say everything that nobody else would like to say. And for people who are not closely following the political life in Bulgaria, they really get attracted to the um, shining new ideas which Vazrajdane provides. And in the past, such parties were Ataka and BMRO. They also were saying very sharp ideas that though Bulgaria is so great and we have to revive its uh, idea, but not explain how they are going to do it and not stepping on real ground. Then we go to the Socialist Party. They have actually very well explained uh, campaign pro-socialist, how they will try to make the life of the people better. And they address the day-to-day -day problems of the population, but they have a moderate attitude towards Russia. Due to this, they sometimes are not uh, well accepted, but sometimes are very well accepted. Democratic Bulgaria, the next one, and we continue the change, have very sharp attitude towards Russia. And this is uh, well accepted by the young people. But here there is a key point because Bulgaria is very close to the war physically. And not only the war in Ukraine, but also between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Also, we have problems with Turkey sometimes. Bulgaria should be a little bit careful with these issues. Of course, it should support Ukraine, but it should be in a way that it will not affect the internal security of the country. And some of the newly born parties don't really think about this in the and then Bulgarian appraisal or Bulgarsky Vashot. Actually, the leader of the party was already a prime minister elected by the president and he was already in the government and people know him and he provides a moderate attitude towards all the problems. He himself sounds reasonable, but the people that he's surrounded with sometimes are questionable and this is why it's not really clear whether he's going to succeed in the future or not. And uh, there are such a people, they lost, but um, they say things which are not popular. So it is exactly the opposite. Vazrajdane says what the people want to hear and some parties say very populist claims like we continue the change and gap. While there are such a people, they say what people don't want to hear and this is why they are poor. Piotr, as a foreign citizen, how did you see the campaign in Bulgaria? Was it in any ways different from the previous one in uh, November 2021? 
I would like to focus on similarities. And the similarity is that there was no campaign. The whole political campaign was about who likes Boyko Borisov, who likes Kirill Petkov, who likes uh, other leaders. And uh, that's how the Bulgarian citizens made up their minds how to vote. Political parties were trying to gain political leverage by presenting themselves in the good light. Uh, but uh, the circumstances that led to the election uh, basically discouraged people from voting. Less and less people in Bulgaria and less and less people in Europe wants to vote because they are disappointed with the political leaders. It's not only a Bulgarian phenomenon. I would like to agree with Nelly Kirilova. The Turkish minority party, for instance, gained a lot and they are the only party actually which is successively winning more and more votes for the last two years. And the way they attract the voters is quite peculiar, basically. It's not only in the most legitimate manner. They sometimes go to uh, local little towns in southern Bulgaria and they try to persuade the local citizens to vote for them with the little gifts which shouldn't be allowed. Socialists are successively losing more and more votes and this is actually very visible in smaller region because for the first time in smaller region we would have two MPs from Turkish minority party and uh, basically no members of parliament from the Socialist Party. When it comes to the, the rest of the country these days, uh, GERB won most of the MPs from the region. Uh, but when it comes to different uh, parliamentary blocs, the very fact that Kirill Petkov preserved 20% of the vote uh, suggests that uh, they might stay a little bit longer uh, then, for instance, the party of Slavi Trifanov in Bulgarian politics. The political leanings of the electorate is very unpredictable. Talking about the people's ever-decreasing will to vote, uh, the mm -hmm. turnout this time was 39.4%, uh, mm -hmm. which is considerably low, but uh, not a negative record in the country's history. It is even less because 30, about 39% votes were recorded, but out of them, 3.4 votes were for no one. So the votes that went to a party or a candidate were indeed about 35-36% of the whole population, which is even less. Why the people don't want to go to the polls? Oh, maybe they are discouraged because of the media manipulation in advance. The Turkish party, it uh, used Turkish language and this is another problem because it's not allowed in Bulgaria to make a campaign in a language different than Bulgarian, but uh, they use Turkish language specifically for addressing the population which is Turkish speaking. The problem with this is that sometimes they don't speak Bulgarian language. And then they go to the polls and they don't know for whom they should vote. They just look at the numbers. And how can you vote for somebody if you don't understand what's going on in the country, if you don't understand the language? Then the socialists, well, actually they composed a little bit because some of the socialist ideas are now proposed by uh, Ispravise, which did not enter into the parliament. And some of the ideas are proposed by Vazrajdane, but not so much. Some are supported by various 
such a people, but not so much. And also um, the Socialist Party has uh, internal crisis of the leadership. The leader is uh, not uh, supported by all the people in the party. Some members left the party, some members even of the European Parliament who were coming from the Socialist Party in Bulgaria left because of the internal problems with the leader. Then there is a problem with Petkov because he didn't study politics. He studied a lot of business, but not so much politics, neither internal nor external. And then he didn't really know how to address all the problems which political life provides in the country and externally with other countries. You know, the people didn't like the government so far and they didn't like the parties so far. So they voted for the newly emerged party several times. But this happened also in the past. People, they just vote for the new party. But uh, there is no result of this because every new party comes from an old party. The leader of Democratic Bulgaria comes from GERP and Kirill Petkov, who is the leader of We Continue the Change, comes from Democratic Bulgaria. So it's like everlasting of the same. And with the socialists also the same. So Maya Manorov is previously comes from the Socialist Party. Yanev from Bulgarian appraisal comes from the Socialist Party and they all come from the same. It's happening all over the world. It's not a Bulgarian thing. People are leaving the political parties, changing political views and uh, forming their own political organizations, parties, and they succeed in politics. In order to succeed in politics, you need to have some experience. Nelly and uh, Piotr, you kindly introduced the ideas and political agenda of the less successful Bulgarian political parties. And um, you previously started to talk about the campaigning methods followed by former Prime Minister Boyko Borisov's GER party. But besides the campaign tricks and communication, what else do you think could be the reason and driving force behind the centre-right GER party's uh, victory under Mr. Borisov's leadership? This is a challenging question. I don't think that anyone has answer to the fact that Boyko Borisov is constantly coming back as a winner on the white horse, ready to rule the country once again. He has uh, behind him a lot of influential people in the country and in the region, and he's also not the one who is playing by the rules. If anything, it is Boyko Borisov who is actually a very careful student of uh, Niccolò Machiavelli. He knows how to manipulate people. He knows how to appeal to the electorate. He's very effective because he knows how to communicate with people. Yes, I agree that he knows how to communicate, but I wouldn't say to manipulate because, you know, he says something which is not true and it is obviously not true. So it's not a big manipulation. That's the thing. It's an art of manipulation to present truth as a falsehood and falsehood as a truth. Yes, but it is different because the language that he uses is a very, very simple. So he reaches to a huge mass of people who are not well educated and who don't really care what he says, they care that they understand something. Because the well-educated politicians sometimes speak in a sophisticated language, which is difficult to be understood. And you know, I think this is a reason why he reaches a huge mass. And the second reason is because uh, his party has a very good structure and it has been developed over more than 12 years. So this structure is stable because it just lasted a lot of time and it would take time to decompose it and to compose new structures around it. And another question is why he didn't go to jail as he was uh, blamed for so many crimes. I have no answer to this question. 
I have the answer simply because he knows how to manipulate the situation. Why Borisov uh, is not in prison? It's also because of Petkov, because Petkov was a little bit like premature in trying to send him there without a tangible proof that uh, that is actually required to jail him. Uh, there was a situation last year when Boyko Borisov was arrested for basically a couple of hours and Petkov presented it as a major success of his government. But then the next morning, Borisov was released. The system which Borisov created in the country is actually goes beyond the political elections. He has a backing of the deep state in Bulgaria, let's say. If you compare Petkov and Borisov, both of them present totally different political strategy leanings, very different political program uh, style. And yet it is Borisov who appeals to the ordinary people and Petkov appeals only to blue collar workers who uh, happen to live in the majority of the biggest cities in Bulgaria. Talking about the ordinary people, as the title of uh, this podcast series is Votes and Seats, do you think this parliamentary constellation represents the Bulgarian citizens' wishes, needs and demands? Perhaps it does, actually, because uh, it is so pluralized. There is so many parties in the parliament, like seven parties in the parliament, and the needs of uh, electorate are represented in the pluralist manner. Reflecting on Piotr's ideas, Nelly, do you think can this National Assembly be seen as a good snapshot of the current Bulgarian society? I wouldn't like to say yes, but I would like to say no. <laughs> but here's my personal opinion and I'll explain why. In 2019, even before COVID and even before the crisis in Ukraine, in Bulgaria, there were mass protests against the ruling party at that time, GAP. The reason for these protests were the very low quality of life of the people due to low standard, high prices, a lot of corruption, which was really too much. And then COVID was really good for the party at that time because it allowed to stop the people from protesting. And as a result of these protests and unrest, there were a lot of new parties born. Democratic Bulgaria, uh, yes, Bulgaria, we continue the change, Vasarajdane, Bulgarian, Vashot, Appraisal, and others. It's really surprising for me now to see in the new rhetorics of the elected parties that they already would like to have a stable government. And even I was watching at the press conference of we continue the change and they declared that they would be a opposition, yes, but they would like to see a stable government. And actually, this is against the creation of all these small parties and new parties. They were created against GERP, and now they would like to have a government of GERP, which is a really contradictory. And even the president also says that there should be stable government, which is also contradictory. But this is in the context of something bigger. The war is really ongoing and Bulgaria needs a stable uh, government and decision making. Yes, it's true. But whether by GERP, I don't know, because three years ago, everyone was protesting against GERP. And then there is um, recovery assistance money from the European Union that should arrive to every country, also to Bulgaria. Area, but it still did not arrive because of the lack of the stable government. And why GERP should lead it when all the protests started against 
gap. Maybe it's uh, related to the premature decisions that we continue the change in the past governance uh, related to the gas prices, related to the lack of enough energy supplies, related to the high prices and uh, high inflation, which they could not cope with. So maybe if they are um, the leader now, maybe they would uh, bear the consequences of the cold winter and unsatisfaction of the population. At the moment, there is no party which provides experts in absolutely every sphere of the social and political life. Maybe the older parties have better developed structures, but still there is need for experts to be united in clusters on topics that they understand very well. It's important to acknowledge that there are basically two blocks which are forming in Bulgarian politics. One of them is led by Boyko Borisov, and the other one is led by Kirill Petkov and uh, Asen Vasilev. At the moment, the situation looks like the two parties that belong to the first uh, bloc, it is GERB and uh, DPS, and the three parties which belong to the, to the second one is We Continue the Change, Democratic Bulgaria, and Bulgarian Socialist Party. The kingmaker of the politics at the moment may be the revival and the leader Kostadin Kostadinov, who happens to be a Bulgarian Trump or a Nigel Farage. So whatever happens now for the next six months, we are in the hands of the very populist leader who is pro-Russian and uh, who knows that whatever happens, if he will distract the political system, it will be in his political favor because he just doubled his political gains and uh, his uh, little party is becoming bigger and bigger. Well, this populism doesn't really work because only about 35-36% gave a vote for a party or a candidate. So 65% of the people don't accept the populism. This is 35%, nothing, it's very little. It's just those parties who have already strong structures or those who succeeded to propose some new ideas in shiny package, but it doesn't work. Well, uh, wise men say it is very difficult to make forecasts, especially when it comes to the future. So Bulgarian politics remain a mystery even after four editions of podcast analysis. But all this makes the Balkanic country an extremely interesting one to analyze in terms of its uh, unique political ambient. Ms. Nelly Kirilova, Mr. Pyotr Piechak, thank you very much for sharing your rather interesting thoughts with us. This conversation was outstandingly thought-provoking. I do not wish to threaten our audience, but I am afraid very soon we will come back with another edition of the Votes and Seeds podcast on Bulgarian politics. Dear guest speakers, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you very much. It was nice to talk to you. Thank you very much uh, to Nili Kirova for her insights. Thank you very much for this kind invitation, Balint. And thank you to Matthias Corvinius Collegium for this incredible opportunity to present our views. Dear listeners, you've been following the latest edition of the Votes and Seas podcast of the Center for Political Science of the Matthias Corvinius Collegium on the third Bulgarian early parliamentary election in 18 months. Thank you for your kind attention. Take care and goodbye.